He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, our second edition, our second edition of Out and About in the Hamptons and Vicki Schnepps from Dan's Papers and, and 88, 88 different publications are there. So Dan's Papers, Out and About in the Hamptons, uh, which is just absolutely wonderful it's uh, you know i said uh, i said recently it's uh, talking to vicky schnepps about the hamptons is like talking to tom brady about the nfl and what's going on there and uh, and and i and i didn't say that lightly vicky schnepps how are you I am terrific, and I'm actually talking to you from Madrid, Spain, where I took all my grandchildren and my children, and all 13 of us have been touring Spain. So how bad can I be? Isn't it beautiful to have the beautiful Hamptons to be living in and then take a break? Yeah, and no, come to Spain for a family celebration. Well, listen, no question at all. And we're talking prior to uh, to the Monday that uh, that people are hearing us on. So if they if they ever hear, hey, it sounded like what uh, because of travel and everything else, we're we're talking a little little beforehand. But uh, it's uh, yeah, it's got to be fun. And the fact that you got that whole crew there, uh, that's nice. That's a that's a generational memory that people will be talking about for years and years to come. The grandkids and everything else. Uh, a lot of memories happening this week also in the Hamptons and, and what's going on oh, here yes. is the Hamptons Classic. And Give us a little rundown of what to expect. Well, starting Sunday, skipping Monday, have you'll hear me Monday, uh, Tuesday for the rest of the week and through the next weekend is the Hampton Classic. It's probably the biggest people-watching experience. I know it's about the horses, uh, the jumpers. I know it's all about the horses, but between you and me, it's really about the people watching. And my favorite person uh, is Michael Bloomberg. And I saw him last year at the Hamptons, and I had texted him. I say, we're looking forward to seeing you again at the Hampton Classic. And sure enough, he will be there. So these are the kinds of wonderful people that you get to meet and see and sit down and chat. We're in a VIP tent. The Dance Papers is the media sponsor for the Hampton Classic. And it runs for about eight days. And it is just an absolute sight of people watching because you will find the owner of the Jets to uh, the winner of the classic last year. You know, Michael Bloomberg's daughter, Georgiana, is uh, Georgina, I'm sorry, is a, a big winner and a big horsewoman. And I must tell you, I don't want to give away the secret, but the best part for me about the Hampton Classic is the shopping because they've got the best shopping mall. (laughs) They set up these wonderful booths year after year. And I've got my favorite lady who has these wonderful knits that she makes in Peru. And, you know, you can come in and just go into the uh, shopping mall area that is this wonderful grassy area. And they even have a cart that you can buy. It is just one of those kind of once a year experiences. And we, of course, at Dan's Papers being the sponsor, I have the terrible burden of being there every single day. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Vicky. But... (laughs) I'm glad to be able to welcome back um, Peter Meyer, 
who was the president of TD Bank in New York City and got transplanted to run Central Florida for TD Bank. But he'll be there at ringside at our table. And then I'm so happy to tell you that uh, the North Fork will be represented at my table on Thursday. It's going to be John Tibbet, who has that two-star Michelin chef who runs the wonderful North Fork table from table from farm to table. And he is um, also just open shoals which is a spectacular hotel experience where you can bring your boat and dock it at the marina and then stay overnight at his wonderful um, suites that are sitting right there on the beautiful bay. So he will be coming. And then the one and only Stacy Solaviv, who just bought the Shipway Hotel this past year, modernized it, updated it. <clears throat> And then she ended up buying the pharmacy across the street. And then she figured, well, you know, maybe I should buy the hardware store. That'll give me the marina as well. And so they own that. But they're really known for their wonderful uh, Peconic um, winery. And she also owns a Christmas farm. So if you're ready for your Christmas tree, you've got to go up to the North Pole to get Christmas trees. <laughs> so, you know, those are some of the wonderful people that will be joining me on this spectacular week at the Hampton Classic. If you're just joining us a little late, Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, you're listening to uh, Dan's papers out and about and in Hamptons and uh, Vicki Schnepps, the uh, the owner, the queen of media. The uh, I, I don't even know how else to uh, describe her. She is the 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 key figure in the uh, in the Hamptons. She is uh, absolutely amazing, and uh, not only in the Hamptons. I mean, everywhere there's society and there's culture and there's. Um, there's there's celebrity you're gonna you're gonna find people that know and and have known this woman for many years 88 different publications one for every key on a piano and, <laughs> and growing uh, she is absolutely fantastic and she is speaking to us from from uh, Spain Madrid Spain at this point last time we spoke to her she was in Barcelona Spain but uh, we're talking about the Hamptons here and it starts uh, well it, it'll it started by the time you're hearing this how about that it's it's already in motion but a, a big week ahead in the Hamptons classic uh, just uh, just absolutely the place Place to be, uh, Vicky. How long has it been like this? How long has it been uh, as as spectacular as uh, as it is? And and people go there and uh, you know uh, try to mingle and and mingle. And there are people there that are uh, just people watching every step of the way. Has it always been this? Is uh, like this? Well, the Hampton Classic is a scene. And, you know, this is where you get to see people that you want to see and people that you uh, really need to see. And I am so happy that uh, Stony Brook Hospital and Southampton Hospital, uh, just the recipients of our um, out, our gay city, our gay, it's out East and Im Impact Awards was just this past week. And we donated about $5,000 to Southampton Hospital special program that they have geared up just for people within that LGBTQ community. And so they will be there. And LIU is there with their special veterinary school that they've opened to great success. And Kim Klein, the president of LIU, will be there. A good friend who I, I miss, but she is uh, also in Hamptonite, as well as living on the campus of LIU in Brookville, in old Brookville. So
So, you know, it goes the gamut of people from different worlds and different lives, but they all come together to celebrate the fantastic jumpers that have such talent. I, I go, <gasps> when I see them go over those uh, fences and they are just spectacular to watch and so graceful. It's almost like a movie scene where everything is picture perfect except when they knock down a board. Yeah. That's not a good thing. But the other piece is that uh, coming up in the next uh, few days in September 8th, we're going to have our Power Women of Dance Papers. And there we're going to honor some of the spectacular women who've made a tremendous difference in the dance world, both the South and North Fork. Sometimes we refer to it as a Hampton Sprague, but in fact, it's the East End. And we cover it from Riverhead on the North Fork. And by the way, Riverhead is exploding with new projects where the aquarium was there. The Petroselli family will be at the Hamptons, hopefully with me on Thursday. But they have created the from ground up an aquarium. Then they built a hotel. Then they have the Preston Restaurant. Then they have another hotel. And they sent the pace that now the wonderful... Riverhead Town Supervisor, Yvette Aguiar, who was, by the way, got a PhD over at, uh, in New York City. I think it was at Pace. And she's got a PhD in all kinds of police work that is terrorism-based. And she has lived her whole life in Riverhead. And when she went in for her papers and retired, she ran for town supervisor and she won. Mm. And she's making things happen. She's a mover and shaker. So Riverhead is on fire. They uh, took down some buildings because they are on their main street, the Peconic River. So when you come into town now, you're going to be able to have a town square will be going up in a little while. So I really, you know, we cover that whole what we call the North Fork, which is exciting because you see all those special projects from Riverhead. And, of course, South Hold is where John Tibbet has had his projects like the Shoals and with his wonderful um, South Hold Social Club and his uh, Michelin Star Restaurant. And then you go out to the end kind of is, well, I can't say the end, but the Orient Point is the end, but Greenport is pretty far out on yeah. the North Fork. And they've got a mayor who told me he knows everybody's house. He doesn't say John Doe from, no, no, oh, you know John's house. Everybody is born and bred that he knows in Greenport, which you talk about small town, it's a wonderful, warm feeling to know that people know your name. And I think that's what I live down in Creog, which is in West Hampton Beach area. And you go into West Hampton Beach town, it is, I think it may be the only town where the businesses are owned by the people you see in the store. So, you, you know, it's the kind of town like that wonderful bar where everybody knows your name. Yeah. And so in West Hampton Beach, you know, you go from store to store. My favorites, you know, I have Garcia's where I get my special jewelry and accessories and headbands. And then I'll walk up the block and there'll be shop where you get the fabulous clothes. But you also go around the corner and right there she has shock ice cream where she created some special ice cream flavors. We topped with uh, cotton candy. Oh, my God. And uh, then you go up the block a little more and you go to Jimmy's that has $25,000 gowns or, you know, um, a beautiful poochie outfit. 
And then you go across the street to Mixology, and they have the most trendy kind of outfits. That they're so successful that they actually bought a, rented another place. So they have two stores there. And I was told by the owner, Jordan Edwards, that the stores in West Hampton, he owns 12 or 13 of them now. He's opening another one. It's the highest revenue producer of all his stores. So West Hampton Beach is on fire. The mayor there, Maria, is just spectacularly proactive. Like Yvette is on the North Fork and Riverhead. Maria's are that way down here in West Hampton Beach. So they're great people making great things happen. And the big thing, of course, everyone's talking about is the East Hampton Airport. Yeah. And that's a bit of controversy that... Um, Two sides of banging heads. I think we're going to need a whole show. I think we're going to need a whole show to talk about that controversy, and maybe uh, next time we get together, uh, uh, we we can talk about that. That is uh, that is a controversy for sure, Vicky. Uh, enjoy the rest of your vacation. Unfortunately, we're we're up against it. We're uh, we're out of time here. But uh, what a what a mouthful you just said. So much is going on, and we could talk for another hour about what's going on this week alone with the Hampton Classic. And Dan's paper again is the sponsor, the media sponsor for uh, for uh, the Hampton Classic, which is just legendary. Uh, Vicky, thank you very much. My pleasure to talk with you, Frank, as always. Have a great week, everybody. Enjoy your life and make sure to stop in at the North and the South Forks, known as the Hamptons, but the East End. Bye now. Till next time. Out and about with Dance Papers. That's Vicki Schnepps. You've been listening to the voice of the queen of media out there and, uh, and just all over. Frank McKay signing off for now. Uh, Vicky Schnepps has uh, has been uh, our our host, uh, the 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 correspondent of the Hamptons in Dan's papers out and about in the Hamptons. Uh, can't get it from anyone better than her. Frank McKay signing off. We'll be back right after this with more breaking thank it down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is breaking it down with Frank McKay on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with Camille Hardman. And she is a a wonderful uh, producer. And what we're talking about here, what we're talking, and she's so many other things than just the producer, but what we're talking about here is still working nine to five after all of these years. After all of these years, uh, still relevant, maybe more relevant now than it was even then, but uh, more than a movie, it's a movement. Is, uh, is is a tagline there, and uh, it, you got to think of what 9 to 5 was back uh, when it first came out, and, and this is a lookout, uh, look back, uh, and after all of these years, wow, Camille, how are you? I'm well, Frank. Thank you so much for having me on your fantastic show. Well, listen, I, I just, I'm thrilled to have you, and before we get into the, the film, maybe we can get a little background on you, and if you don't mind, let's start from the beginning. Where were you born? Where were you raised? So, I was bo- born and raised in Sydney, Australia, uh, which was a wonderful place to grow up. Uh, you know, we spent a lot of holidays traveling around, you know, through Asia. Um, my father is half Canadian, so I did come over to Canada quite a bit. And uh, the first time I came and lived in the U.S., I was probably around 20, and I moved to New York, and I lived in the Lower East Side, uh, which would back in those days, which 
eye-opening. <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun and I loved New York. I mean, it's just one of my favorite places uh, in the world. And then I came back and lived here again around 2008, but this time I moved to LA and I've been in LA ever since. What was your earliest recollection of of movies that kind of moved you or um, documentaries uh, in in this case that that stood out to you was there anything early on that uh, that you enjoyed that um, you can kind of hawken back and and, uh, and kind of reflect on now yeah I, I you know one of the 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 most powerful was actually a series that came on it was I mean many years ago it was actually roots um, I remember yeah. seeing that just being uh, you know absolutely shocked and and it was just one of those those series that really had an impact on me um, about the injustice of what happens to people. And then I, you know, really had a, a fascination with documentaries. But my foray into documentaries actually came from a different direction. I was working, I was at university studying uh, physics and electronics. I was going to be an engineer. And I got a part-time job with a documentary maker and uh, he ended up have, getting a, uh, a, 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 a new wife um, and he said to me, I can't go out there anymore. Um, do you want to travel the world? And basically I travelled around the world making animal documentaries, wow. which was absolutely incredible. So I was uh, fairly young doing that. I was given a huge amount of responsibility and uh, there was me and a cameraman and we were traveling all through Asia. We were traveling through Africa, um, South America. I went as well. And, and I also was, you know, a camera was thrown into my hand going, you know, you do B-roll. <laughs> so it was, it was a really, really wonderful experience. So you know, after doing that, I then got into more human interest films. So uh, one of the first films that I made uh, on my own was uh, it was more. Again, I like you know I like serious stuff, but then I also like comedic documentaries too. And I because I think it's really important if you can infuse a little bit of humor i mean some subject matter you know don't allow you to do that of course but where it does allow you to do that try and do it because it means that your audience can be wider and it's more palatable um to a lot of people so i did a documentary about what happens you know in with small towns and i know in australia as well as here you know small towns were finding it very tough and they wanted you know they where they were looking for ways of bringing tourism and bringing income to these towns when a lot of young people were moving into the cities and they were building what we call in australia big things but here you called them roadside attractions so i focused on one small town building a big golden gumboot which is sort of like a a, a rain boot and it was a it was a lot of fun but it had a you know a very serious message within that comedy which is a very similar thing that we did with the documentary still working nine to five if you're just joining us a little late or turning on your radios a little late frank mckay here much more importantly camille hardman 
is a documentary filmmaker and producer and so many so many other things and if you go to stillworking9to5.com uh, you get a pretty good starting point there but uh, Camille here talking about uh, well eventually we're going to be talking about now uh, her wonderful uh, film and it is it is excellent it is a must watch and uh, just got to love it and uh, and again more than a movie, it's a movement. Is the tagline still working nine to five? Camille, uh, if if you think of how you thought this would come out, and and I'm jumping ahead to the to the uh, documentary here, but if you if you thought about what it would what it would have turned out early on, and and how it actually turned out, how much different would it be? I think it's quite different. So I, I'll tell you a bit about the genesis of the project. So I have two partners in Still Working 9 to 5. Um, they are twins and uh, Gary and Larry Lane. And they are big 9 to 5 uh, fans, also big fan of Dolly Parton. And they originally came to me uh, to me with the idea and said, you know, we want to do a film about, about the making of 9 to 5. And they had seen Jane, Lily and Dolly uh, on the Emmys talking about doing a sequel. Mm. And originally, you know, I wasn't quite sure whether I, I wanted to be involved. And then I started looking at the history of the movie 9 to 5 and how it had come out of a secretary's organisation who wanted respect and wanted equal pay and in the organisation itself was called 9 to 5. And I thought, oh, this is actually really interesting um, because, you know, it's not just about the movie. We can make this, you know, there's a historical context and, you know, then we can talk about the TV, you know, the movie, the TV show, the musical. And at that stage there was going to be a sequel um, but in the making of this film, uh, I don't know if anyone knows, the sequel hasn't happened and probably will not happen. Um, so that sort of was taken out and we had to change tact a few times. Um, you know, now they call pivoting. So, you know, what we thought we were sort of making in the direction that we were going, um, it did change quite dramatically. And I think for the better, I mean, I, I knew, me too had happened when we had started this film. So that was another reason why I thought, oh, this, this, the subject matter is quite poignant. Um, and then, of course, you know, once we sort of finished the film, what had happened, you know, in May this year with the Supreme Court decision, it just makes it even more impactful now, knowing that, you know, many women's rights are being, you know, pushed back to way before the 70s, you know, when we started talking about this, you know, 9 to 5 started, you know, came out, but also when we started, you know, really touching on the subject matter of uh, the documentary. Yeah. It, yeah, it's interesting uh, that uh, the the timing, yeah, even with the, the Roe versus uh, Wade, uh, Wade uh, situation uh, going on, it's... Um, it just seems like the, uh, the I don't know the timing couldn't be better for uh, for you with this uh, this film and the significance of it. We're coming up on a quick break, and uh, and and on the other side of that, uh, I mean we'll get into a little more of that. But uh, you know I said wow, just just kind of jumping back to the last subject, 
uh, when you said you got called and asked if you wanted to travel the world to do documentaries on animals. I said, wow, because I, I, I'm a big wildlife guy. I've been all over the all over the world looking for, for animals. But I, I mean, uh, what a... You know, oh, again, I love that. Yeah. I mean, what animals, what animals were you... Let me, like, tell me about some of the animals you went searching for. Well, I mean, it's, you know, all the uh, typical ones, the African uh, animals, the South American, the uh, the Australian animals. You know, I've been to uh, 60 countries, all 50 United States and, and six continents. And, and for the most part, I'm out there looking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at attractions too. But I mean, for the most part, I, I'm, uh, I'm looking for wildlife and I, I'm out there all the time. But I, you, I, I'd love to have a whole whole separate interview with you just on your work with wildlife i mean i uh, i i go all over the world i don't shoot it you know i don't i don't want to hunt it or anything like that i i just want to shoot it with cameras and uh, and things like that but i've done quite a bit uh, coming up on a quick break camille hardman is our very special guest wonderful documentary filmmaker and uh, you know look more than a movie, it's a movement. Still working nine to five. If you go to stillworking9to5.com, you can kind of get a jump on on what it is. But you got to see it. It's it's a must watch, and we'll get into all of that as we get back. Uh, Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Camille Hardman is our very special guest. We'll be back right after this with more breaking it down. Handling legal matters is stressful, so let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone back to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Camille Hardman is our very special guest, and she is uh, she's fantastic. Uh, what a career she's had in making film and documentaries and more than a movie, it's a movement. Still working nine to five is upon us. And, and once again, if you go to stillworking9to5.com, you can kind of get a jump on uh, on the rest of uh, everybody before you see it. If you want to see it, uh, I, I urge you. It, it's a must. It's terrific. And it's about, uh, you know, 40 years, 40 years ago, nine to five uh, was out. And Think of the talent that was there. Well, just think of the the three main characters in in Jane Fonda, a multiple uh, Academy Award winner, and, uh, and Lily Tom, uh, Tomlin, whose iconic uh, uh, comedic works there. And then Dolly Parton, who wasn't a shoe in by the way, to be accepted by the public. She was obviously a great artist, a great uh, country music artist. But this is uh, this. I think this was her first foray into film, and Camille Phillips in on on that and uh, and I'll tell you what I, I mean you talk about three iconic actresses that were there uh, that just uh, you know I mean you can't you can't find any any more uh, a combination of talent there uh, to put together that uh, that worked and it worked uh, Frank McKay here much more importantly Camille Hardman how are you 
I'm very, I'm very well. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. You know, the, all of those women are absolute trailblazers and have been, you know, for a very, very long time. And they still remain, you know, real, real, you know, very iconic women. The, the, their viewpoints on things, they're strong, they're successful, but they're also very giving and caring and very astute about how the world works and, and you know, and very um, – they want to help people – you know, they want to help people in their lives. They want to change things for the better. And the other person that you, you, you know, they're amazing women in the film. And I think, you know, to show how incredible they were, they really needed a good foil too. And let's not forget Dabney Coleman and amazing okay. he was. I mean, he, he was incredible in that film because the one thing when you play a villain, a villain, you know, and to make a film likable, you have to make the villain somewhat likable, even though his behaviour is despicable. And I think the important thing about that film, because it, at the time it really did touch on some serious issues, which is still very relevant today, such as equal pay, job advancement, maternity leave, childcare and let's not forget you know sexual harassment and you know here is mr hart encompassing every single one of those uh traits but you could still laugh and i think the important thing is it allowed men to come and see that film it allowed them to be reflected and maybe look at themselves and say oh actually you know what i might have a little bit of that in me and this is what it looks like but it wasn't being accusatory um and what the other thing that was really interesting about the film too is before i talked about the nine to five organization and the different chapters you know after that film came out that the nine to five organization just ballooned i mean chapters just were created all around America. And the organization was started by Karen Nussbaum, who was actually a friend of Jane Fonda's, and Ellen Cassidy. And, you know, women, you know, came out from under desks, over desks, beside desks, and just said, hey, we, we now want to stand up and be counted as well. And not only get that, you know, the film gave a voice to women to just talk to even their colleagues, just talk to the woman beside them or their, you know, the secretary beside them and saying, hey, are you experiencing this, this, you know, these things? And they'd be like, yep. And then it gave them, you know, the ability to create a united front for change in that particular office. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's amazing that uh, that we're still talking about equal pay for women. I mean, it just sounds like I mean, there's there's certain aspects of uh, of uh, society that I, I'll just never understand. <laughs> we're still in the Stone Age on on certain aspects, uh, and you know, quite frankly, before the Me Too movement. Um, you know, we were in the dark ages on sexual harassment. Still, look what what came out, and look what uh, what's emerged. And and still, uh, there there are women that are scared to death to to speak up about their circumstances uh, or whatever. I mean, are you surprised at uh, either how far we've come or how how little we've come in in these forty years? <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, I, I'm not surprised. I think whenever the power manifests in, in, in different ways 
and insecurity manifests in different ways. And, you know, insecurity and power are, are, are always, you know, not always a great mix. So, and then, and then you also have economics. So those three, three things together can be, you know, quite a toxic combination. And there are a lot of women out there who don't have choices. And when you don't have choices, they're either single mother with kids, the opportunity for looking for jobs. I mean, number one, who has the time to look for another job? Number two is do you have the time to, you know, not work between jobs? So a lot of women will take those things that, you know, a, a boss will do to them and particularly, you know, male bosses sometimes not some you know the the not all male bosses are like this but there are are male bosses who will take advantage of that situation knowing that that person has no other options and they will push and push and push every boundary they possibly can and the woman feels that she has no choice because it's all about the economics of bringing money in and feeding her children and sometimes given the choice of her children or herself she will always go with her children. So it's, it's you know, it is, it is rampant. It still happens. You know, we're discussing it. So hopefully there'll be generational change. Will that change people of a certain age and a certain generation? I don't know. Is that so well entrenched to them that they can't change? I hope in that hope it that's not the case. Um, you know, I hope that, that they can. But definitely, you know, women and men need to be talking to their sons, their, you know, their cousins. I mean, anywhere that you see this behaviour happening, um, you know, stop it. Just say, hey, that's not – don't talk to your sister like that. Don't talk to, you know, your friends like that. Don't talk to, you know, someone on the street. Just pull them up. And I think that's really important. Camille Hardman is the voice that you're hearing, and she is our very special guest today. The The film is still working, 9 to 5, documentary, just extraordinary, wonderful work by Camille and everyone involved in this. Um, more than a movie, it's a movement, and uh, thrilled to have Camille here for another uh, couple of minutes. We have two minutes left. Uh, what do we need to know ab about the film? What do we know, need to know about... Uh, you know, the, the movement uh, moving forward and the organization and, and, and the three stars, how, they, uh, how they're responding to the film. Oh, so I think, you know, we have a fantastic, we've got a limited theatrical release of the film, so we want everybody to come to see it. We have been getting a really great response. Uh, we've shown it at film festivals all around the world and people are loving it. Um, we've been getting great reviews. We've got 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is, you know, absolutely Amazing. fabulous. The theatrical release is happening on between September 16th to the 22nd, we are at the Cinema Village on East 12th in New York. Um, so we want everyone to come and see it. If you're in LA, we're screening at, at NoHo um, in North Hollywood. And, um, you know, the four, we also have, by the way, we've got Dolly Parton, Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Dabney Coleman, 
Alison Janney, Rita Moreno uh, in our film, which is absolutely amazing. And then we also talk to a lot of, you know, women with everyday lived experiences. So we filmed in Virginia, we filmed in Nashville, we filmed in New York, we filmed in LA because we wanted to talk to people from all different backgrounds, from you know, all different demographics. So that was the thing that was incredibly important to us. And I directed the film along with my partner, um, directing partner and producing partner, Gary Lane. And for this theatre, sorry, for this limited theatrical release, we've also got a fantastic uh, major sponsor in the Institute for Women's Policy Research, uh, which is great. They've come across and sponsored the entire event, which has been amazing for us. And we are really, really proud that, you know, women's organisations are getting behind us, that the all the women in the film are getting behind us. We got a great quote today from... Dolly Parton, which we are so pleased. And the other thing to mention is that we, that Dolly Parton, sorry, the other thing to mention is that Dolly Parton and Kelly Clarkson have done a new version of Nine to Five. It is a duet which is incredible. Dolly's never, ever done another version of 9 to 5 since the classic came out in 1980. So this duet is absolutely spectacular, and that's being released on September 9th. So I think that song is going to go gangbusters. It's a more melancholic version. You hear the words really clearly. And as we know, you know, Kelly Clarkson has the most incredible pipes. <laughs> like she sings this song incredibly and then hearing Dolly with her is just spectacular. And so we're so proud that that song was created exclusively for our film. Camille Hardman, congratulations on not only this but everything else that's going on and uh, still working nine to five is absolutely terrific. And thank you very much for being here. Oh, I've loved it, Frank. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Stillworking9to5.com is where you go and uh, and check it out. But uh, see it in a a theater, a limited release, uh, and it's just uh, absolutely terrific. Uh, More than a movie, it's a movement. Stillworking 9 to 5. Frank McKay signing off. Camille Hardman has been our very special guest, the producer, director uh, of this great film. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on breaking it down it's breaking it down with frank mckay long island vibes on 1071 wlirfm hampton bays now here's your host frank mckay i'd like to welcome everyone to breaking it down frank mckay here with brandon bragger and what a career he's put together what a body of work that he's put together and uh, everyone from the star War, uh, star trek uh universe knows uh, knows about his work as producer, uh, writer, director, uh, everything you could imagine. A multi-talented man, and his latest is the end of Nye, and this is something we we all got to get behind. We got to see. Uh, it just sounds absolutely terrific. Uh, Brandon, how are you? I'm good. You almost said Star Wars. Yeah, I almost said Star Wars. Uh, how often has that <laughs> happened? I'm sure. I'm sure that's not the all first the time. time. All the time, right? It's just it, look, yeah. It's a slip of the tongue in your case, but yeah. if it, if it's a, an honest mistake, then we'd have a problem. 
but it is one of those. <laughs> it is one of those things, right? I mean, st- when you're in the Star Trek uh, universe or the Star Wars universe, the Marvel universe, there's a uh, there there's a a different set of eyes on you, and it's the same thing. No matter you could do a million things, and no matter what, uh, Star Trek is is going to follow you, and it's a great thing. It's a nice thing. the The following is very loyal, but uh, you you must experience that all the time, right? I mean, people from Listen, that world watching it, everything you're doing. I, I I did Star Trek for 15 years, three TV shows and two movies, uh, and I wrote hundreds of episodes. I mean, I it will. I will happily uh, l- let it follow me. I, I'm proud of my work on that show. 100%. No matter what I do, it's always going to be the thing I'm remembered for. And that's great. I, I couldn't be happier about that. You know, you could have dropped the mic right after that and just said, you know what? I'm done. What else am I going to What else am I going to do? But you're doing terrific things. The end of Nye sounds terrific also. Uh, it, give us a little lowdown on it. It's an hour-long science disaster show in, in which the first half hour depicts some kind of civilization um, ending uh, catastrophe uh, with Bill Nye as our kind of lunatic storm chaser host. <laughs> and he bites the dust at the end of the first half hour in some fashion. You'll have to watch to find out how. And then he comes back in the second half hour to show how science can save our asses. Part of my French. Yeah. Um, how can science pull us through? How can science help us prevent or mitigate some of these disasters in a very real way? So the show has a happy ending. You know, I, I hate to ask you about history, but I, I've always been fascinated about your history. What what was it that that got you interested in uh, in, in TV, in sci-fi, and in all of this? What were your shows growing up? Oh, that's an easy. Uh, Great question, and uh, the Twilight Zone is the answer. Yeah, me too. The Twilight Zone was was my show growing up. I love Star Wars and and Star Trek and those things as well, but the Twilight Zone and the the breadth of its storytelling and 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 the different kinds of crazy stories it could tell horror, sci fi, fantasy that show got me, and that and the writing in that show, I, I you know, I would learn growing up these episodes were written. Somebody wrote them. His name was Rod Serling. How can I do that? I want to do that. And I want to tell stories like that. And that was my show. Yeah, me too. I just binged it uh, recently, and it just, it stands up. It's amazing how it actually Doesn't it really? Isn't it amazing? Amazing. You know, amazing. Even, look, look, even when you have, like, the some of the... Uh, uh, the the campy stuff, the some of the alien stuff, you get it because it's time. You know, it's uh, it, it's the timing of when it was is it just makes it precious. But the writing in general is just is it, just unbelievable. Uh, there and even this, when go ahead, when it looks silly, even you kind of forget about it because the writing's so good. You know, yeah, it it doesn't seem dated. No, it it doesn't. And by the way, as far as being uh, something that stands up, the work you did on, on Star Trek and, and all of the uh, universe, that, that you talk about standing up, that stands up. And you, you've got you've to be very proud. Oh, you just said you were very proud, but you've got to be very proud that 100 years from now or 50 years from now, people are going to be talking about you and, and your colleagues and other people that participated there. Uh, you know, the same way we're talking about Rod Serling right now. And it's uh, it's I don't think it's I don't think that's conjecture on my part. I think it's I think it's an absolute 
um, that 50 years from now, people will be talking about your work. Uh, you gotta, it's it's well, going to be a special feeling. It is. A, it, it is. It, it surprises me still that we're talking about it right now, thirty years after I wrote some of these episodes. And but what makes it all? That's what makes it all worthwhile. Isn't isn't that they're talking about me or my episodes? It's seeing how Star Trek and some of these stories have affected young people to, for instance, get inspired to become scientists. Um, I'm lucky enough to be living to to see some of these stories and meet people who said, thank you for that one episode you did. It, it got me through a rough time, or it inspired me to do X with my life. That's how lucky I am. And that's what I'm most proud of. You know, I, I could fill an hour with you, but we're here to, we're here to talk about uh, the end of Nye, and it's, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it is upon us, and everyone's got to watch. And uh, give us... Uh, give us uh, any particulars, like when did when did the idea start? When did it uh, germinate? And how much different is it than what you anticipated to be when uh, when it was just kind of in the, that um, I don't know that uh, uh, that germination state? You know, when it's uh, the very earliest stages. How much different is it? Well, it was Seth MacFarlane's idea, um, and he called Bill. He called and called me and said, "What, what do you think about a show that scares?" grab out of people in the first half and then shows them how science can save us in the second and we put Bill Nye right in the center of it. It was his idea and and Bill and I kind of ran with it and you know I have to say I think that the show is the best version of itself uh, you know there are always budget limitations and the, the disaster stories I wish we had time to tell and and all you know you know the that kind of stuff. Um, but I think it turned out pretty much as we envisioned it. I'm really happy with it. And I'm nervous but excited to see if people like it. You know, you spend a year and a half making this thing, and you just don't know. You know, are people going to like it? Are they going to think it's boring? Are they going to, you know, I, I just don't know. And I'm, I'm about to find out. Well, listen, I, we we mentioned Rod Serling, and like I said, we could uh, spend an hour talking to you about something. We could spend an hour talking about the genius of Seth MacFarlane, also, uh, just in in a different direction, but in uh, the same uh, the same level um, of of genius. They're just a brilliant guy. Uh, Brandon, can you give us a website, a social media site, and anything else we should know about the end of Nye that we haven't touched on? I think. Uh, uh Right now, it's the best place to check out anything having to do with End is Nye is Peacock. It's also going to air on the Sci-Fi Channel one time only for six consecutive nights starting tonight. Um, so you can watch it there. But the best place to watch is probably uh, uh, Peacock because you can watch all six episodes um, right now. You can binge them if you want, if you have, if you if you can handle it. Yeah. Brandon, uh, uh, just thank you very much for being here. Congrats on everything, not just end of Nye, but your whole career is just amazing. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks, man. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Brandon Bragger. Everyone has been our very special guest. And, yeah, interesting. He said, Rod Serling, I just finished binging uh, the uh, the whole Twilight Zone series again. I don't know how many times I've watched it, but... You know, Rod Serling, we've had his daughter on, and we've had, you know, Ann Serling, and we've had, you know, different people on talking about the, the impact of, of the Twilight Zone. When you got a guy like Brandon Bragger on, 
Um, and, and again, we're here talking about the end of Nye. I, I, listen, I'm, I'm anticipating it being, being very good. It was the idea, as he said, of Seth MacFarlane. And, uh, and you know, you, you get people like Brandon involved, Bill Nye involved, obviously. It's, uh, you, you're talking about a, a lot of talent all gathered together on, on a project. And it's, listen, it, it's, it's got to be interesting, if not great. And we'll see. You know, you can binge it on, on uh, Peacock. Uh, you know, I know people aren't into watching it, uh, uh, you know, tonight, you know, tomorrow, that, you know, that type of thing. You could watch the whole thing. And I, that's how I watch things. I binge everything. And you could watch all six episodes uh, all in one, uh, one fell swoop. And uh, you'll see the work that he's done. Uh, worked on three different, three different Star Trek um, series. Uh, he's uh, you know major player, and you know a lot of you listening are, are Star Trek fans. You know a lot of my friends are Star Trek fans, and well, yeah, he's right. I almost said Star Wars by accident, but you know when you're in these universes, when you get into those uh, universes, you have that loyal following that just doesn't doesn't go away. And and I've got to believe uh, what I said to him. I'm being sincere. Um, you know, the same way we're talking about Rod Serling, we're going to be talking about uh, Brandon Prager, and in a different way. Yeah, uh, Seth MacFarlane. What Seth MacFarlane's done with uh, with comedy and and animation, adult an- animation, uh, is just uh, as good as anyone has done. I mean, there's The Simpsons, right? And that's in like a whole different category. And I, I haven't watched them in a long, long time, or whatever. And uh, you know, and to be honest, with you, I haven't watched Family Guy in uh, in a long time. But uh, you know, it, Seth MacFarlane is one of those guys. He's intellectually curious. He's fascinated by science, sci-fi, and probably has the same um, influences that you know a lot of us have, and uh, loves and likes and so forth. But and Brandon Bragger has been our very special guest. The end of Nye. Everyone, check it out. Uh, six episodes, and you could binge it on Peacock. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. In many ways, Long Island is the story of America. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island is definitely the place for you. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays.